Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Pastor, where we look at movies, music, comics, and more from the perspective of faith. Welcome to Pop Culture Pastor and our special end of the year season finale Pop Culture Consolations and Desolations episode. This is how we're ending 2022, and we're glad you're with us. I'm Chris Perry, your self-proclaimed pop culture pastor. Sorry about missing last week. Uh, Life happens, and this is, after all, just kind of a side gig for me, even though I love doing it, and I'm glad I'm back to get to wrap up the year with you. Now, I hope you've listened to and enjoyed the coverage so far for the end of the year. And so what we're going to do today is just kind of wrap up everything else that we loved this year. You're going to hear you know, plenty of thoughts from me, as always, but uh, interspersed throughout, I've got clips from you, from our listeners, talking about things that you loved or that were not life-giving in the year of our Lord 2022 in the pop culture world. So I uh, hope you look forward to hearing all of that. I'm so thankful everyone that, that shared some of those things. Now, before we start getting into stuff, I want to just say a little bit about this idea of consolations and desolations. I think early on I explained that a lot, and obviously we're using that just as a way to make recommendations and stuff, but it really is a spiritual practice to, to look through your life, to look at where God has been at work, where you've seen signs of love, where you've participated in that love, and to also be able to name where there were opportunities to, to do something that was good for others that we missed out on. And so we joke about it here, and some of the most of the things that we talk about are not that important or serious. But, you know, this is why pop culture matters to me, because sometimes it is a way to think about what is life-giving. And whatever it is that we're enjoying or consuming, my hope is that we find things that do give us life. Sometimes that life is, I guess, to be able to complain about it a little bit, but even there, it's, it's how this could have been better and done more to achieve what it wanted to achieve. And so that's, that's the point of doing all of this. That's why I do this show, and I'm so thankful that you've listened this year and have been with me through this journey. Now, last week was meant to be the TV and movies of 2022 episode, the one that I wasn't able to get to. And so I want to start by talking through some of my, my favorite shows this year and uh, some shows that I think fell a little flat. Well, the first show I wanted to talk about, at least the show, if I were going to kind of go down through my list of the, the best shows of the year, I've actually already talked about. I, really, I think my favorite show this year was House of the Dragon. And so I have a whole episode that I did with uh, Jefferson Ferguson. So you can go back and find that and uh, talk about how it just... I was so surprised that this show was good after how burnt out I was on the Game of Thrones kind of world after how poorly that series ended. But it, it's just, it's captured that same magic and improved on almost all of the flaws of that earlier show. Uh, the acting is, is still amazing. It, it is centering these female characters. And so much of this first season of the show has just been prologue to, to the main story that it's getting to. But man, I could just watch a series that's just this kind of stuff of, you know, what happens during quote-unquote peacetimes in a kingdom as, you know, we know that there might be bad stuff coming in the future. 
So go back and you can check out that episode if you want to hear lots more thoughts on what makes House of the Dragon so great. And that leads to our first pop culture desolation of the year, which also connects to an episode that we did earlier, unfortunately. And that would be that one of my least favorite shows this year was Rings of Power, the Amazon's big Lord of the Rings series. So far, I I still don't really understand why anyone liked this because I found it so boring. So I know everyone's been comparing these two big new fantasy shows and, you know, that's maybe not generous to either of them, but it's just kind of inevitable. And every time that you do, Rings of Power looks worse. It also is just doing a lot of setup to a big story, right? I mean, it's in the title, right? Rings of Power. Well, nothing happens hardly to build up towards that until the very end. So this is all just people walking around, having boring conversations and not really advancing many storylines. I didn't think the acting was very good. I didn't think any of the characters were very relatable, other than maybe Elrond and Prince Durin. I think that was about the only storyline that I really liked. Uh, and so it was, you know, the episodes were all really long. It just didn't work for me. Uh, they spent a lot of money, but they spent it on making it look pretty for nothing in my book. There, and so there's just a lot of weird story choices, You know, these half-handed attempts to connect this story to the original trilogy, right, where Halbrand kind of seems like Aragorn, this this king that, you know, is is reforming this lost lost dynasty, but it doesn't really work and it doesn't make sense when they do. It's it's kind of like the Star Wars prequel problem of like we're just going to make connections even though it doesn't make sense because, you know, the the people will like it. And that doesn't get into all the ways that it upsets the nerds because they're changing things in the storyline from you know what Tolkien had written, which I know it's it's anytime you adapt things you have to make changes. But you know Tolkien is kind of different. It's one of those where you really have to have have a good reason to change stuff because it's been so rarely adapted. Um, so if you liked Rings of Power, please let me know why because I certainly did not. Sorry. Now, the next show that I would consider a, another consolation, a kind of a surprising show that I enjoyed a lot was Andor. I don't think I've talked about it on the show yet, but I know at least two or three of my guests recommended it as their consolation. It's in the Star Wars universe, but it's, it's really about the start of the rebellion uh, through, the, through the eyes of Cassian Andor, this character that was in the movie Rogue One. And, you know, I meant... Just like I was a little skeptical of House of the Dragon, I was kind of thinking, well, who's asking for a show about this one random character from this side movie? But that's kind of the point, that this is a show about the real cost, uh, what it really would take to, to stage a rebellion against a massive empire, and the small people that would need to be involved and the, the real choices that they would have to make. Uh, now, one of the reasons that I know some people haven't enjoyed this show as much is that it moves kind of slow at times, and that is what I just complained about with Rings of Power, but I feel like there is a difference here where this had a, a slow burn that made the climactic moments so much more exciting. That it, it usually felt like it was actually building towards something big. One of the things that I really liked about the way they structured it, so it's, it's 12 episodes, I believe, which is a little bit more than what you often get in these sort of series. But those 12 episodes were broken into kind of three-episode arcs. And it kind of works best to, to take those 
in in chunks instead of trying to watch one episode a week. So if you haven't caught up yet, now's probably a good time to, to go check it out that way. Because each of these arcs kind of focus on a slightly different storyline that's still connected, and they, they build towards something, and then, then when these big things happen, they actually feel big. Like, it feels like there's actual tension. It feels like there's actual stakes, which sometimes is really hard to do in these kind of universes where you just always know it's, you know, the good guys are going to win, and it's going to be fine. Uh, Andor made it feel feel real. Now, I would say there are probably too many scenes of the of imperial bureaucracy that, you know, we didn't necessarily need all of those, but... Again, it's showing you this is what this actually might be like. This is a show that's really taking seriously that the empire is built on fascism and oppression. And it is people, it's, it's the banality of evil, if you're familiar with that phrase. The idea that the people that usually are behind these big fascist empires are not all like the emperor, you know, sitting in their chairs and their robes and talking about the dark side. It's just bureaucrats doing their job, trying to make things orderly, but doing so in a way that dehumanizes and destroys people's lives. That's what evil actually looks like in the real world, and I'm pretty amazed that Star Wars is able to actually name that as well. So Andor was a surprisingly great Star Wars show, maybe the best Star Wars show that they've done so far. Now, since we're kind of going back and forth here, my big Star Wars desolation this year was The Book of Boba Fett, uh, which is pretty forgettable. It was early on in the year, and I only remember because I had written down how much I really didn't like it. Uh, Boba Fett already, I would say, is one of the most overrated characters in all of Star Wars. People have liked him for 40 years really because he has a cool helmet and didn't say much, and that's about it. And so when you try and flesh out that character, you kind of just find, oh, yeah, they're there's nothing there, uh, and, and the show kind of reveals that. It's a show about Boba Fett trying to be a crime lord when he doesn't want to do crimes and he doesn't want to be a lord, so it doesn't really work out. He, he kind of seems like an idiot most of the time, even though he's supposed to seem super cool because he's Boba Fett. You can tell that even the, the writers of the show didn't really believe in this concept because a whole episode of Boba Fett doesn't have Boba Fett in it. It's about the Mandalorian. It's it's an episode of a different series. And in fact, this episode of Boba Fett, you kind of have to see if you've been watching The Mandalorian because it undoes the entire journey of the last season of Mandalorian. That journey that was all about getting Grogu to the Jedi and the climactic moment of Luke Skywalker showing up. That all just gets, you know, wiped by the end of this one episode in a separate series with some weird CGI that Disney needs to just stop doing. We love Mark Hamill, but you can cast someone else. Uh, so yeah, Book of Boba Fett, if you missed it, you were lucky. All right, I think that's all the, the desolation shows that I want to talk about. Let's talk about more things that we liked. Well, the next show that I loved, I know a lot of others loved because it's getting critical acclaim and awards, and that's Abbott Elementary. So this is a sitcom on ABC about a underfunded school in Philadelphia, and it follows the different teachers there, most of whom can be divided into new young teachers who are very enthusiastic but don't really seem to understand how things are actually going to work here, and older teachers that have been around long enough to know how they have to make things work. 
along with a principal or boss who just does not belong in that position. Now, a lot of that setup sounds, you know, not that unique or interesting. It's filmed like a, you know, a mockumentary, which kind of feels like we were over those shows. You know, The Office and Modern Family were a while ago. But I think that's part of why it's so surprising how good it is, because it's using these these things that we're pretty familiar with now or an idea that seems kind of obvious and just brings such life and heart to it. The characters also seem, you know, like fairly standard types, but they all feel so relatable and they are getting fleshed out more and more as you go. It's really funny. And, you know, for being just network television, this is it seems like that's kind of a big deal now. Like, oh, it's it's not on streaming, but it it is interesting and funny. You know, so it's a show, it's it is highlighting the challenges of public education, but it doesn't seem preachy about it. it it's just presenting this is how they make it work and, and how they do this out of love. And I also like that even though there is this little sense of the the young new people versus the old guard, it's not that either one of them is completely right. It's They're both learning from each other, and uh, there's ways that they can all grow, but they're all working towards the same goal, aside from the annoying principle, which, okay, I do get a little tired of that character. I know it's part of the storyline, but it, other than that, it is such a joy to watch. So check out Abbott Elementary if you haven't already. All right, that's a lot from me. So let's hear from one of you. Hey, Chris, Anne here. I just wanted to chime in on your desolations and consolations from the year in pop culture. I would say that a pop culture desolation for me was just my disappointment in Boba Fett, the show. I think I was really looking forward to it, just something new and different, especially after The Mandalorian and how much I love that. And it was just something I didn't even finish. So I was sad about that. A uh, consolation for the year was, I think, sitting in the theater and watching everything everywhere all at once and just knowing that it was something completely new, completely unique and had never seen anything like it before. And was it crazy and was it bonkers? Absolutely. But I just loved the entire experience of watching something completely new. All right, that's it. Thanks. Have a great show. All right. Well, another show that I enjoyed and just got through is The Bear, which is on Hulu. As a show, I know it came out in the summer and a lot of people were talking about it then. But I put it off a little bit because I knew this is a show that was pretty stressful. It's about an incredibly talented chef who has to move back to his, work at his family restaurant after his brother dies. And the kitchen in a restaurant can be a pretty stressful place. And it's true, there's a lot of yelling in this show. There are characters that that pretty much only yell at others. And if that is not your cup of tea, then you might not enjoy this. There were times when I had to pause episodes and go do something fun because it was just too much. But for the most part, even in spite of that, it, it was so real and, and the characters just can be heartbreaking but relatable. It's kind of a show dealing with grief, which you know always works for me, and, and the way that people might push that away and latch on to, to work or something else to find meaning even when it seems like it's not working, as a way to avoid working on the real problems. And so the growth that happens, the way that you end up caring for people that you can't stand most of the time is so amazing. I mean, there's a whole episode that is is just one take, which I had to go back and watch just to believe it. Um, a lot of good shots of food, if you're into that. And so The Bear is just, it's one of the best shows for sure because of, of how raw 
it gets. And that is not intended to be a food pun, but I'm going to let it be. Another consolation this year, my probably top five show would be Our Flag Means Death. Uh, This came out pretty early on this year as well, but it's also one that I keep thinking about. So this show follows a character named Steed Bonnet, a rich gentleman who decides that he wants to become a pirate. And uh, it doesn't go well. You know, when I first saw previews for it, I thought it would be pretty silly. And when I started watching it, I was, I was a little disappointed at, at the tone. didn't seem quite as fun as I expected. But you stick with it, and it really continues to go a lot deeper than you might think based on a, a pretty silly premise. And now it is also a lot of fun. There are some pretty ridiculous characters. Uh, but there's also some really amazing depth and growth, and, and it becomes a love story that you wouldn't expect. Maybe it's not surprising that Taika Waititi was involved because he seems to be pretty good at that. I know he's not the only main person involved, but he uh, plays the character of Blackbeard, so he's on the show. I think a lot of times those are my favorite shows where it seems like it's all just silly and these characters are ridiculous, but they grow on you and they grow and you see their heart and that gets this real depth when you see their relationships deepen. And when it starts as a silly show about some dumb pirates, it's even more surprising. And I think it works even more when it shows you its true heart. All right. Well, the last show I want to talk about is kind of both a consolation and a desolation. I haven't talked about any superhero Marvel shows yet. So I wanted to mention Miss Marvel because I loved it. And then I also had some big complaints. So Miss Marvel is about actually a pretty recent new character in the comics, Kamala Khan a Muslim teenager who gets superpowers after being already a huge fan of superheroes, uh, Captain Marvel in this case, in the show. And so it's got this kind of teen rom-com energy, which is great, you know, already her trying to navigate high school and, and all the groups and what her parents want from her. And you add in, you know, getting superpowers. So it feels a little bit like stories that we're used to with Spider-Man, uh, with young Peter Parker, and so it's, but it's doing that in a very different kind of way. It's telling stories that don't usually get told uh, about people who don't usually get to be centered in these kind of superhero stories. And so I liked all of that dynamic. And then also, you know, mentioning her background, uh, her family is from Pakistan. And so as she's kind of figuring out where these powers come from, there's this whole storyline it gets into about her going to Pakistan and finding out about her family history. There's an episode that a lot is a flashback. And I learned a lot about something called the partition that happened between Pakistan and India back in 1947. And so this makes at least the second time that a comic book TV show has given me more insight about a historical event than what I learned in high school. Uh, The other would be the Tulsa race riots in Watchmen. And so I love those two storylines, and yet my big complaint about the series is that it felt like two seasons mashed together, and this was only six episodes. So I would have really loved if they had taken a season to just have her learning how to be a superhero and just be there in New Jersey, and then another season where we're getting this background and learning all this history. They were both good, but I think they both kind of got shortchanged, and it was just too much whiplash. But the casting is great. I mean, Kamala Khan is a great character. And Aman Vellani really just nails that energy of her being a fangirl of superheroes and how excited you would actually be to, to have superpowers. So overall, I like Miss Marvel. I'm looking forward to what else they're going to do with her in the future in the Marvels, which I guess is coming out next year. 
So I don't often say this, but hey, I wish they had actually taken more time to tell these stories. All right, well, that's all the shows I'm going to talk about for now. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook to see the rest of my list of shows of 2022. But for now, let's hear from one of our listeners again. Hi, this is Blake Jackson. And my consolation for 2022 is a book by Arthur Brooks, um, who's a professor at Harvard. The book is called Strength to Strength. And um, it technically it's in the self-help category, but it is a fantastic a brief, easy to read book about the challenge of transitioning from the growth part of your life and career where you're climbing the ladder, um, you're you're um, gaining experience, you are uh, a hotshot to transitioning to um, your plateau in your professional life and how you use your lessons um, your relationships and things to try to make people around you better. Um, and, and how rewarding that, uh, that process can be, uh, rather than trying to hang on to your, you know, your creative, uh, upward potential from early on in, in your, in your career. It's a great book. It talks about spiritual disciplines. It talks about the importance of art and beauty and, um, music in your life. And most importantly, it encourages uh, it encourages you not to objectify yourself in your accomplishments, which is very very critical. So, um, got to recommend Arthur Brooks's From Strength to Strength as a book. My desolation for 2022 would be Facebook Reels, which is uh, an an a absurd technological wrinkle in the Facebook app that allows uh, somebody to spend hours and hours and hours scrolling through. Um, basically meaningless content, um, isolating themselves from uh, from real life happening around them. And uh, I found myself susceptible to that uh, temptation multiple times this year, and it had me cursing my phone on multiple occasions. So uh, Facebook Reels, I hope you uh, die a slow and painful death. All right. Well, I want to say a little bit about movies of 2022, but really before I do, I have to give a disclaimer maybe this is desolation as well, is that I just don't make it to a lot of movies these days other than, you know, superhero movies. And even watching things at home, um, I have young kids, and the idea of putting on a movie after I've finally gotten them to bed somehow feels like a lot. So I cannot claim to have seen everything and have, you know, a definitive opinion on the best of 2022. But, hey, I'll tell you about a few things that I like and maybe encourage you to see them if you have not had the energy yet. So one of the things that makes a movie great is when they just kind of know what they're trying to do and then they just do that well. I think you maybe picked up on this in my music episode, right? I don't like things to just go on forever. Just say what you want to say, keep it tight. So a movie that I really loved that did this was Prey. Uh, this is a movie that was on Hulu. Uh, I don't know why they didn't release this in theaters because I think a lot of people would have loved it. It's part of the Predator franchise, which I have not seen all of those movies, but the original is great. It still really holds up well. We actually watched that one uh, in preparation. But really, you don't have to have seen any of the other movies for this one to work. It has little acknowledgments or connections to the other film, but they're not distracting. It's not just you know fan service for the sake of it. Everything that they do in this movie, as I kind of mentioned, it all pays off. It's It's an action movie, and it's just perfectly paced. You get enough to get the characters' motivations and what they care about, but it's not just them sitting around talking about it. It's, it's told through the way that they interact 
and the things that they do. So it's got a slightly similar setup to the original movie where this alien predator comes in and it has advanced technology and it's hunting different creatures and then eventually people. What makes this one so interesting is that it's focused on this indigenous tribe in America. And so it's got indigenous actors. Amber Midthunder plays the main character. So you're getting a female action star. And even just her being a woman in this tribe, you know, changes the way that people talk about her and what they expect out of her. And so, it, again, it's paced so well. The way it builds up, it's cathartic when the predator goes after some of the uh, European white settlers who you can't ever understand because, right, they're not speaking a language that our main characters would understand. So they really seem like the evil foreigners. And this, the creativity and what she does and the way they set things up and then pay it off, it's not a long movie, which I always love. And it uses its time so well. Prey, great action movie. Check it out on Hulu. Now, I said that when I make it to the theaters, it's usually for superhero movies. And so I feel like I should talk about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. You know, this is a superhero movie that's really about grief because of the loss of the actor Chadwick Boseman, who, you know, was Black Panther. And so there were a lot of questions of, okay, what are they going to do? They're not going to recast. What is this storyline going to be about? And so much of it is the different characters and how they process the loss of their brother, their son, their king, their friend. And, and so it's a movie about grief. And so that gives it a depth that you don't often get in a superhero movie. And seeing the way that the way you know, his sister or his mother is handling that loss is so radically different and affects the way that they deal with a new threat. Now, the new threat is this other nation of Talokan led by Namor. And thankfully, Namor is in that good group of Marvel antagonists who you kind of side with them, or at least you understand their point. He takes it a little too far, and that's what makes him the antagonist. I wouldn't even say villain, uh, really, for the most part. The actor, Tena Cuerta, I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, he is great, and I'm looking forward to what else they're going to do with that character and the new heritage they give to Namor. Uh, really, again, opens up a whole new world, which is why people have loved Black Panther so much for the creative world building. And so it just does that even more. The first Black Panther was so good that it's almost impossible to live up to it. It's a pretty high bar. My only complaints would be that it does a pretty common Marvel thing of here's where we're setting up what we're doing next. And sometimes that doesn't work too well. So all the stuff with, with Everett Ross and the Thunderbolts. Okay, just let that happen when it happens. We don't need it in Black Panther. I also personally didn't feel that Letitia Wright quite has the charisma to be the main character. You know, she worked great alongside Chivewick Bozeman, but it just didn't quite work for me. But still, they had so many impossible expectations to live up to and challenges to face, and I think overall, Wakanda Forever does it. Well, on the other end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, my desolation this year would be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. For one thing, Doctor Strange really is just not that interesting of a character. Benedict Cumberbatch is great, but but he seems kind of bored, and so am I. So, you know, this movie, it had some fun cameos, which I guess I could spoil now, but what's the point, right? They're not really important. They're just there for fan service, even though I cheered in the theater to see Reed Richards with the person that we wanted to be, Reed Richards, who may not be coming back as him. But it doesn't really connect to... The other multiverse kind of stories that seem to be, you know, the big through line in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, 
with Loki and the last Spider-Man movie also kind of addressing that, but it really didn't connect to that at all. It's just kind of a thing that happens to tell a story that they didn't need to tell. My real desolation with the movie is how they ruin the character of the Scarlet Witch, that they just immediately make her a villain. She never really has a great motivation for that. At least there were easier ways to get what she wanted that she should have known. If they were trying to lean into, well, this thing that she's getting the power from is making her evil and corrupting her, they should have played that up way more than they did. But I think why it bothered me so much is the last time that we saw Wanda was in WandaVision, which was amazing. That was my favorite show last year, the way that it showed her addressing all of her complicated feelings and grief and all of that and doing it in such an interesting way with the different TV series. And so all of that work was done to set her up and put in this you know, still morally complicated place to just make her a straight-up supervillain. And I think we have had enough stories that are about women who can't control the power that they get that we just don't need to do those anymore, guys. I don't care if they were in the comic books, if there's a history to it. It's been done, and it's, yeah, we don't need it anymore. So that's why I did not love Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. As for other Marvel movies, since I guess that's all I'm talking about, I've got two whole episodes about Thor, so you can go back and hear what I thought about Love and Thunder. All right, well, let's hear from another listener, and then we'll just start hitting some other fun stuff, some other consolations and desolations in 2022. Hi, my name is Kevin. It was hard to narrow down my pop culture consolations to just one thing this year. There have been so many things I've enjoyed. I saw my favorite band, The Killers, in their hometown of Vegas this past summer. We also received a new Dawes album titled Misadventures of Doomscroller that was excellent. But the pop culture offering I wish to evangelize today is a comic series called The Human Target. It is a 12-issue maxi-series from writer Tom King and artist Greg Smallwood. The series stars Christopher Chance, a private investigator and bodyguard who becomes a human target to protect his clients until the threat is over. Often this comes in the form of masterfully impersonating his clients. In this story, he is poisoned while disguised as and protecting the infamous Lex Luthor and only has 12 days to live. Each issue in the 12-issue series is one of those 12 days as he attempts to find out who in the DC Universe hates Lex Luthor enough to try to poison him, while also attempting to find an antidote. Now, Tom King has been one of the best writers in recent comic book history through telling challenging, nuanced adult stories, often with C-list characters from DC Comics. One of my favorite things I've consumed in the past decade was his Mr. Miracle comic book series he made with Mitch Garretts. Human Target is a hard-boiled noir detective story comic that perfectly evokes the Dashiell Hammett detective stories like the Maltese Falcon, while pointedly avoiding some of the problematic tropes in some of those stories. It also delivers a tale that I would argue is a more interesting mystery and well-told story than the original genre material it attempts to recall. It draws from the cast of Justice League International from the 1980s to tell a story about past trauma and how without proper treatment it can lead to self-destruction. Tom King is a former CIA counterterrorism officer and has worked with themes of PTSD and trauma in the past to great effect. This story examines how past trauma can shape one's life and lead to a path of self-destructive behavior by analyzing what could possibly drive someone to willingly become a human target and what kind of person he or she would really be if that was their whole identity. 
what other behaviors would a person like this have? Also, this is a beautifully drawn comic book. Greg Smallwood does the pencils, inks, and colors on this one. He really stylistically captures the exact intent of the story with a beautiful palette of textures and color, along with a clever and experimental design sense. It's hard to outshine an acclaimed writer like Tom King, but Smallwood does it. The artwork in each issue is captivating, and these covers are among the best I've ever seen. Fun fact, he is from Kansas and is the nicest person. I hang his artwork in my house. I've had numerous conversations with him at conventions. I have Moon Knight commission from him, and he gave me a free Green Goblin original. My brother showed interest in a dark side piece of art that Greg promised to him, but upon realizing he had given it to someone else, Greg actually made a completely new one and shipped it to my brother for free. It's rare someone contracted by Marvel or DC would take the time to do something like this. Needless to say, he's a great guy, and I'm truly happy that he is having mainstream critical success with this series. All in all, the series is a masterful comic book that is still ongoing. Some of these issues have been incredibly experimental. For example, one issue involves a battle with a telepath and plays with time in a very interesting way. We just received issue 9 not too long ago, and I have faith that this creative team will stick the landing. Also, is it weird to say that the Pop Culture Pastor podcast itself has been a consolation for me this past year? It has been a trying year, but listening to these episodes has been a bright spot, and I enjoy hearing the connections between my favorite pop culture offerings and my faith. I've been experiencing fond familiar things in new dimensions. So thank you, Chris, and I look forward to what the next year will bring with the podcast. All right, so I've given you everything I would have given you last week about TV and movies, and now I'm going to go back and talk a little bit more about music. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode that I did with Blake Jackson, and we did talk about a lot of different music this year, but I actually didn't mention a couple of artists that were on my top 10 list. So real quick, I want to say something about the bands Always and Soccer Mommy, who also had great albums this year kind of works to put them together because they're both sort of in the indie pop, bedroom pop sort of genre. And with both of them, there's this big growth and kind of bedroom pop moving out of the bedroom. Always uh, is doing power pop, so it's kind of influenced a little bit by punk music traditionally, but here they're expanding their sound by really turning to like 80s British guitar pop. So bands like the Sundays, the Smiths, if you just hear the guitars, it, it kind of takes you to that that sound and the the sadness that kind of comes with those sorts of bands, the sense of longing in it. And so it's, it's a lot of fun, but it feels like it's getting deeper and, and the songwriting on this album is, is just great. So the name of the album is Blue Rev, and what you're hearing right now is one of my favorite songs called Many Mirrors. I mentioned Soccer Mommy, and it's a little bit of a similar style to her music. I've always been a fan of the album she's been putting out, and so her album Sometimes Forever that came out this year also is kind of expanding her sound. Uh, she worked with a new producer, Daniel Lopatin, and so he usually does electronic music, and it doesn't have that sound, but it does add this new depth to the songwriting and, and what's going on behind it. And so often, you know, this music is about just what it is like, what it costs to be a human being, and the beautiful melancholy that comes with that. 
Uh, so here's a little bit of the song Bones that I loved from Soccer Mommy this year. Well, while I'm talking about music, one of the other big consolations this year is that I was able to go see some live music again. I don't know if you've been able to get back out there now that the pandemic is, I won't say over, but it's not as severe as it's been the past couple of years. And so I got to see Jason Isbell. He's a great kind of alt country artist. He actually came to Wichita, which is great. Hey, more bands come here. It's not that bad. Uh, and it was a cool venue where there was a train that was going by in the background. And so uh, that was a great show. Went and saw Phoebe Bridgers this summer, who I've loved since 2020 and her big album, Punisher. And so getting to see her live and process some of those feelings. It's a very feeling kind of album. So that was great. And then just recently, got to see the 1975, who I've, again, talked about a lot on this show. And they're at their very best. Show, I mean, it really was a show. They had a, a set and stage, and Maddie was definitely putting on a show at points, sometimes maybe too much, but that's how he is. Uh, and, but it was great to see them play for two hours and do so much great stuff and just a lot of joy. There is something special about live music and experiencing that with other people. I could go on a theological rant about you know the idea of, of a spirit that kind of comes over a crowd, and I think music is one of the most obvious places where you can make a case for that. Sometimes they may not be holy spirits, but still something amazing happens when you're with other people enjoying something together. So, hope you've been able to enjoy some live music this year. I know I have. Well, my next musical consolation is a little happy accident that happened when I was recording my best music episode with Blake, and my son interrupted us and ended up having a conversation about his favorite band, and what is a real consolation to me is when I'm able to kind of force my musical taste on my children, especially when they end up with good music taste. So you can listen to them talk about that, and uh, it's pretty great. Say hi. Hey, Blake. Hey, George. How are you, dude? Good. Oh, tell them what band that is. That's called the Crescendals. From the Daft the Punk. The Crescendals? Yep. Yeah, that's from uh, that's from uh, Daft Punk. That's yeah. correct. Is Daft Punk your favorite? Yep. Oh, dude. So you like Daft Punk? You like yep. um, you like Daft Punk Discovery? Have you watched the movie? The, yes, the movie I with have. the Crescendals? Interstellar 5555? They were doing a concert, they get captured, they their memories get wiped and and they see how they would be like as humans, they explore the mansion, then they find Shep, and then Sh and Shep dies and and his his soul goes in up into the stars. So so George, let me ask you, which on that movie which song <clears throat> is your favorite? One where their memories get wiped and they turn and this and seeing how they would look like as humans. I'll talk. Is that with you um, later. harder, better, faster, stronger? Yep. <laughs> okay, I'll talk with you later. All right. Bye bye. Good to see you, George. Bye. Yes, my son's favorite album is "Discovery" by Daft Punk. So. Oh my gosh, that you you are <laughs> you are raising them right, man. <laughs> 
really like I thought about you know my son's musical journey. Most of the year was just listening to video game music, and it was driving us crazy. Um, but then somehow or another, he got on uh, like we were just watching stuff, and you know how YouTube will suggest things, and it pulled up Instant Crush uh, yeah. with Julian Casablancas. Oh yeah, and, oh yeah. And then he just got into Daft Punk. Which is like, well, we went from one kind of repetitive music to <laughs> a better kind of sometimes repetitive music. Uh, yeah, no, that's 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 really good. I we play Digital Love in the car all the time because it's mm -hmm. like one of my ten favorite songs ever. Yep. But um, yeah, there, yeah, that's cool. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> Well, now I wanted to just talk about some of the trends that I noticed in this year and as we're looking forward to next year and where things might be going in, in the pop culture landscape. So these aren't necessarily consolations or desolations, but uh, there's probably a bit of both in each of them. You have already talked about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's one of the main things I'm going to talk about as a comic book nerd. And really the trend that I've noticed this year is that the MCU now feels a lot more like the comics universe. Because it used to be that you had to see every single movie so that you would know what was going to come next. And everything is setting something else up. And I've already mentioned the pros and cons of that approach to filmmaking. But now that they're putting out so many movies, and that especially since they have the Disney Plus shows, it kind of feels like some things aren't as essential. But maybe that's not a bad thing, right? Sometimes stories can just do their own thing. And yeah, these characters may show up somewhere else. But... It doesn't need to connect to something else. It doesn't have to be setting something else up. And it can do very different things. And so even the movies themselves don't seem as, as central, but that's not necessarily bad. You know, sometimes it's not the most exciting, though. Right? Am I going to go back and watch Eternals or Shang-Chi as many times as I've watched The Avengers? No, probably not. I've still only seen both of those once, even though I enjoyed them. But if, if the trend is that these movies are going to be enjoyable but forgettable, I think that that gives uh, credence to those who complain about the MCU and how that's not a good trend for filmmaking. Uh, I also already have mentioned how you know the idea that the multiverse is maybe what's tying all this together. So far, they seem to have not committed to that. But again, in the comics, you just read what you want to read. You even pick up characters uh, when you want to read them and drop them when you're not interested. And that's okay. So maybe it's all right. There's so much content, but it's okay if you don't get it all. <laughs> that's not just true for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's kind of true for everything, right? Now, speaking of comics, there's a lot of talk right now at this moment, the end of 2022, about what's happening with the DC movies. At this point, I just feel really bad for Henry Cavill because he thought he was going to get to come back as Superman and maybe get to do a a different take on Superman who's you know actually happy and positive as Superman should be but he's not going to get to because of some other good moves that they've made to actually hire somebody to have a hand in everything that's happening in the DC universe uh, with with Peter Gunn so it's too bad that uh, Henry Cavill is out but I get wanting to start fresh and I'm excited for what they can do with those and actually make them good and cohesive again there's been some bright spots with the DC movies, but overall, uh, I want better, even though I'm really more of a Marvel guy at heart. This is Anna Jane Perry, or Mrs. Pop Culture Pastor. This year, my desolations would be the passing of Angela Lansbury. 
Murder, She Wrote was very formative for me growing up. Because of my love of Nancy Drew books, I immediately grasped onto anything murder and mystery related. And well, it just didn't get better than Murder, She Wrote, in my opinion. I'm also going to add uh, The Death of Betty White, even though it did happen 2021 on New Year's Eve. I remember fondly enjoying Golden Girls at my grandma's house. It's one of my favorite shows, and I have so many fond memories of being there with my grandma watching and laughing Golden Girls. My consolations would be a couple of weeks ago, Chris and I had a Lord of the Rings watch party where we served all of the Hobbit meals, breakfast, second breakfast, 11Zs, etc., etc., and it was an absolute blast. We had so much fun and we had people coming and going all day and it was something I've always wanted to do, my uh, pop culture bucket list, if you will. Uh, I also was introduced to Sarah J. Maas as an author and absolutely devoured the Throne of Glass series. And it's just the most delightful thing when you find an author that you love and when you also realize she has several series that you can enjoy. Happy 2023, everyone. Have a good one. Other trends, at least personally for me, I think I've mentioned on the show already this year that video games used to be a big part of my life, a big area of pop culture for me, and I just... Haven't spent as much time in that, or at least not checking out new things. The majority of this year has been going back to play old things, mostly in the Legend of Zelda franchise, which always great. As I said, looking forward to Tears of the Kingdom next year, the sequel to Breath of the Wild. But it is a desolation when something that was so important to you really isn't a big part of your life anymore. You know, I'm talking about myself, but I'm sure there are ways that we all have experienced that with some form of pop culture or thing that we used to enjoy we either don't have time to enjoy it anymore or we just don't enjoy it anymore. So that may feel like a loss, but, you know, we grow, we move on, and maybe we'll come back to things at a later point. If somebody wants to buy me a PlayStation 5 and some of the hot new games, I'll, I definitely will check them out. So, uh, you know, let me know. I'll send you my details. You know, as I'm thinking about ways that my pop culture interests and investments have shifted. I am spending a lot more time caring about football, which is a surprise to almost anyone that has known me for a while, especially my wife. Apologies. It is her desolation when I talk about fantasy football or regular football. And I think there is a question of whether football or sports counts as pop culture the same way that scripted shows or, or music is. I don't know. Um, and I don't even know if I enjoyed all the time. A lot of times it makes me more frustrated, but I guess that's kind of true about Star Wars, too. Uh, half of enjoying it is complaining about it. And so maybe that's how sports really are just like everything else. <laughs> but I've already noticed that as uh, I've already lost fantasy, I think, officially today in my league. And, uh, well, the Chiefs are still in it, my team. And we'll, But once, well, unless they win the Super Bowl... I'm going to get to that phase where I say I don't care about this anymore until next year when I very much do. 
Uh, well, my name is Dara, and my 2022 pop culture consolation is always Taylor Swift. I love her. She loves us. She gives us so many things. Um, and romance novels and reading what you like and just enjoying um, finding the fun, quirky parts of yourself that you can find in books and just enjoy and not make excuses for and not feel bad about. My pop culture desolation for 2022, I need people to stop banning books. I need them to stop going to the city council meetings and um, deciding what other people can read. I need people to stop defunding libraries for having choices for everyone. So just remember, you don't have to read it, but you don't get to tell other people what they can have access to. That is my my final my final librarian soapbox moment is book banning is bad. <laughs> well, as I'm thinking about things that I'm not actually sure if I enjoyed, the last thing I want to talk about, kind of both as a consolation and a desolation, is enjoying stupid things, <laughs> primarily on YouTube, but it can be lots of places. I'll give you a few of mine, and then we'll talk about what this means and what we do with it. I think the best example of something that was both a consolation and a desolation for me, I recently finally watched the Star Wars Holiday Special. If you're not familiar with this, this is something that was produced for TV in 1978, the year after the original Star Wars movie came out. And it's about Chewbacca's family. The first like six or seven minutes is just Wookiees growling at each other. And then it's kind of like a variety show, so it's got celebrities, but I... I'm saying celebrities in quotes because I hadn't heard of most of the people, although one of the celebrities in it is B. Arthur, and she sings, and it is something. The main actors from the original film are all in it. You can tell they very much do not want to be there, uh, aside maybe from Carrie Fisher, who gets to sing a song to the tune of the Star Wars theme song, which is also pretty terrible. So did I enjoy this? I don't really know. I do feel like a true fan now for having endured it. Uh, the top comment that I saw, it's its on YouTube, and the reason it's on there, somebody said, Disney won't take this down because that would mean acknowledging that they own it. So you can check that out if you want to. You probably won't like it. I know my wife did not. Now, something else that's you know often kind of dumb but brings me a lot of enjoyment, and so I would call that a consolation, is content from the McElroy brothers. They do the My Brother, My Brother and Me podcast. We went and actually saw them live. You know, live podcast recording is a thing. I don't have any planned yet, but you know, talk to me if you have a venue that wants to host me. <laughs> you know, it takes talent to be funny in a stupid way, and this is three brothers that are just great at that. It's something I discovered during the pandemic, and so it was definitely a bright light then, and it's continued to be. I think the the best award for you know dumb content on YouTube that I enjoy would be their series called Monster Factory, where they just go into a video game and they create a character and they make them look as weird as possible. That's it, but it's it's pretty amazing. It brings me a lot of joy. And so I'm sure there are a ton of other things that, that you're thinking of that have brought you joy this year that have in some way been life-giving or been a consolation. And yet maybe if, if you're like me, Sometimes you feel guilty that you're spending time or really wasting time watching this kind of stuff or you're going back and watching the same things over and over even though you already know it and none of the jokes are actually new, but you're going to watch The Simpsons again because it's The Simpsons. 
when it comes to this kind of stuff, you know, we talk a lot on the show about we're not here to to guilt trip people. We want to suggest good things, and I'm saying good in quotes just so we can open ourselves up more, but we don't want to be gatekeepers and say you have to only enjoy this. Uh, I mean, this is something I've dealt with, especially in the last couple of years. As life gets more stressful, hey, maybe I don't always want to watch stressful movies and TV shows about real-life struggles of other people because I got some of my own that I don't want <laughs> that I'm trying to avoid. And so I think the key pastoral question, if I'm being a pop culture pastor, is when you watch these things, when you listen to this music, when you go back to this nostalgic content, is it helping you enjoy life or is it just something to help you avoid life? That's not an easy question. I don't know if I can always answer it. I know I don't always want to answer it. But that's the key question, I think, when it comes to pop culture. What is this for? Is this a way that we can enjoy life? Enjoying life can be things that are stupid and silly. And it can be things that are hard and difficult from a very different perspective. And sometimes the best, I think, does a bit of both. My hope this year is that you have found things that have done both for you. Maybe this show has led you to a few things that have given you life. That's my greatest hope. That's why I do this. Really, as I'm wrapping up here, I'm not going to do the cheesy music because I actually am serious this time. My greatest consolation is you for listening to this show. Now, this is something that I have wanted to do, intended to do for a long time, and this is the year that I finally got around to doing it. And that's been a consolation to me. Occasionally, it's, it's a desolation when I have to go and edit yet again and stay up till midnight because I put it off too long. But the fact that any of you are willing to listen to this, to my thoughts, or the people that I bring on here, it, it means the world to me. So everyone who has listened, if you have actually shared this or told someone else about it, uh, that gives me so much life. So thanks for being a listener to Pop Culture Pastor. We're going to take a break for a little while. This is the end of season one. I can't tell you when season two is going to start. I have you know actual work that I've probably been avoiding when it comes to like my doctoral program. And so I think I need to focus on that instead of a podcast for a little bit. But it will return. If you got ideas, if you want to be on the show because you've got something to talk about, drop me a line and we'll figure something out. So thanks for joining us. Thanks to everyone who shared their pop culture consolations and desolations for the show this week. We'll see you in 2023. You are now dismissed. Go in peace. <laughs>